0: We were suffering for Jesus in Hawaii. <laughs> the last few days. So, actually, I was watching our service, and John and Paul used this, and I thought, man, I'm going to try that back out again, because one of the reasons is because I miss my Bible up here with me. That other stand doesn't get the Bible, and the reason for that is uh, we we treasure the Bible. We feel it's We don't feel. It is the word of God. And every time we read it, hear it, memorize it, whatever, it's God speaking to us. And the word of God is alive and powerful, than a two-edged sword. It can divide between the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the more of the word we can take in, the more of the word we can remember is just fuel for the Holy Spirit uh, sanctifying us and making us more holy. So with that, about several years ago, I bought three of the same Bible. So that's what this is, this is my third one now. And uh, because when I look at it, not only is my mind beginning to get it as far as just the page itself, visually. I have a little D-O-V-E as far as uh, memorizing scripture. Do it daily, do it orally, do it visually, and do it exactly, dove. So anyway that's a long thing for why i'm here with this here this morning okay um now uh as we start every year and we've been doing this for several years we have you have those prayer cards at your uh, at your chair there so these are for you to fill out a prayer request for 2022 last year we just closed out the year we began we we begin praying through these well be, this year we're going to begin right away But in the focus dinner is the culmination of all of that. So I hope you'll come to the focus dinner also. That's on the 29th. It's the last Sunday in January where we'll be going through what God's been doing and what what we sense the Lord is leading us to be doing. Um, But at that last year, we had about 400 of these that we had collected in these bowls. Now, the reason for the bowls is in Revelation, it talks about the prayers of the saints being gathered in bowls, these golden bowls in heaven. I don't know how that all works, but they're going to be poured out. So our, somehow in God's uh, marvelous mysteries, these bowls, these golden bowls in heaven are contained in the prayers of the saints that will be poured out. So uh, David Silverberg made two of these. They're made out of the flooring that we took up when we remodeled this, this uh, building, uh, uh, clear maple hardwood. So David, thank you for that. Uh, so two of those up here. So each Sunday now through the focus dinner, we're going to ask you to put prayer requests in here, put them in the bowls, and we'll start praying through them. So last year we started with 400. By the end of this year we had about 700 plus prayer requests that were in that in those bowls. They were prayed for each of them as they arrived, when they arrived or in the beginning. At least one time a month we went through these prayer requests, up to 700. So to me that's thrilling. And they are still... Being held in the bowls in heaven, but we're going to pour them out and start all over again this year. So, uh, this uh, yeah for this year. So, if you would fill those out as maybe maybe during the lesson this morning, the message, maybe something else on your heart is it for 2022? Maybe it's something that's more current. And we're going to do this year what we're going to do is try and follow up on some of these uh, more recent prayer requests. And we're going to have another bowl. We're going to call it the Praise Bowl. So we're going to be just because I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit as far as what's on my mind and my heart over this next month and particularly the focus dinner. But I've been re-upped again in the area of praying. And my house should be called a house of prayer. And so you hear that all the time, prayer and the word of God. So uh, this year we're gonna be taking some different routes with prayer as far as making that more a part of what we do on Sunday mornings, what we're doing on Wednesday nights, and what we're doing throughout the week in, some, in our different prayer meetings. So I hope that you'll come to that, um, the focus dinner. Now, the other thing that's up on the stage here are these outlines, which I'll, I'll just refer to in my study this morning. It's the five warnings, the parenthetical warnings out of the book of Hebrews. We're going to hit the, fi- the fifth and final one this morning. Now, um, you know, another thought I had uh, as far as prayer goes, when was it Damar Hamlin, is that the 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 guy's name that was hurt. How many of you, probably all of you are pretty aware of that whole thing that happened. We were watching it in Hawaii, okay. I mean, watching the football in Hawaii. It's great. Monday night. Um, and he collapsed. And as you know what happened there, they, revi- they resuscitated him. But I'll tell you, the whole, it's like the whole nation started praying. Now, I don't know how many of those praying, in fact, it was interesting on ESPN. Did any of you see what happened on ESPN? One of the guys, one of the commentators on ESPN stopped and prayed. I mean, and so it's sort of focused, and he, as far as I'm hearing, DeMar Hamlin is, is recovering from what was thought to be probably fatal. So God's hearing our prayers, and then when something like that happens, it just reminds me again, when we join together in praying, that's how God has sort of designed it to work in our, through our prayers. All right, so with that, we're in Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to do verses 4 through 20, 14 through 29, so if you would stand as we read the word, in honoring God's word, as Nehemiah, Ezra did this, they actually stood while the word was read, so if you join me, now this, uh, this warning, this fifth warning, takes us through the end of the chapter, the verses we'll look at, I want to keep it in one message, chapter 12, 14 through 29. Before we read it, as you open your Bibles, these warnings, they're parenthetical. If you take them out, you really don't, you wouldn't know they were missing. So if you look at chapter uh, 12, verse 13, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed, and then go to chapter 13, let brotherly love continue. Now, is love not the healing balm of God? So if you could take this whole warning out, but this morning, we're not going to take it out. (laughs) We're going to take it up. So I'm going to read here, verse 14 in chapter 12 of Hebrews. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. For you have have not come to the mountain that may be touched, and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore." For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot through with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the, sprinkl- of, the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for your word. So thankful for our family here. So thankful for what you're doing in our midst. And Lord, as this warning would be to us, we do not want to fall short of your grace. We want to press on the things that you have called us to be doing, to be giving our lives for you and following after you, looking to you as our great high priest, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before you, Lord, you endured the cross, despising its shame, and you sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we come boldly this morning to the throne of grace. We need help. We need mercy. We need you. I pray, Lord, the things that I prepared, you'd bless them, break them fresh for us this morning, that we may be fed, we may leave encouraged, strengthened by your word, and ready to go at it again as we enter into this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So last week, Pastor John, (laughs) I thought Pastor John and Paul did a great job. He said, don't tap out When he, in, in, in Hebrews 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, which is the, the, this January series through 12 and 13, looking unto Jesus, where is it? The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews is telling us we have a great high priest in heaven now. We're good at applying the cross, what Jesus did for us. We need to be applying ourselves to coming to the throne of grace, our great high priest. And so John talk, said, don't, don't tap out, because he said, You've not resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin, you be, you're becoming discouraged in your souls. And the writer of Hebrews, in culminating now, this book, looking unto Jesus, is telling us, don't be discouraged. Don't tap out. Paul talked about God's training camp. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chaste of the Lord for whom the Lord loves. He chastens. And then he says, and scourges every son whom we, that's painful. But it's purposeful. It's preparing us. It's perfecting us. Even though it is painful, it's very personal as you look at that part of the chapter. Now, no chasing seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A a couple had two little boys, ages 8 and 10, who were excessively mischievous They were always getting into trouble, and their parents knew that if any mischief occurred in their town, their sons were probably involved. The boy's mother heard that a clergyman in town had been successful in disciplining children, so she asked if he would speak with her boys. The clergyman agreed, but asked to see them individually. So the mother sent her eight-year-old first in the morning with the older boy to see the clergyman in the afternoon. The clergyman, a huge man with a booming voice sat the younger boy down and asked him sternly, Where is God? The boy's mouth dropped open, but he made no response, sitting there with his mouth hanging open, wide-eyed. So the clergyman repeated the question in an even sterner voice, Where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt to answer, so the clergyman raised his voice even more, shook his finger in the boy's face and bellowed, Where is God? The boy screamed and bolted from the room, ran directly home and dove into his closet, slamming the door behind him. When his older brother found him in the closet, he asked, What happened? The younger brother, grasping for breath, replied, We are in big trouble this time, dude. God is missing, and they think we did it. (laughs) Listen, God knows what we have done every time and everywhere. He knows. Jesus is who we need every time and everywhere and in everything. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How to not fall short of the grace of God. Therefore, he says, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but listen, rather be healed. In the area of chasing and training and discipline, So this, therefore, is prescriptive as to what is needed to yield the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's to encourage them in their spiritual weakness, feebleness, and discouragement. And I hope you will be encouraged in the same way. In my weakness, in my feebleness, in my discouragement, who I need is Jesus. Jesus. God knows it all, he sees everything, and he is there for me in everything, in anywhere that I am and in anything I'm going through. That God's painful chastening and all of his rebukes are always and only because he loves me and he loves you. So he gives us this prescription. Yes, presently it is painful, but afterward it yields the peaceable fruits of Righteousness. To those who have been trained, have learned, have listened. So, I, my brothers and sisters of the Lord, is this not a powerful encouragement day in and day out that we have this work of God in our lives? That yes, it is painful and yes, it is difficult, but His goal by His love is that we would be trained by it, learn from it, listen closer. And be moved and changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The writer says, therefore, strengthen and make straight paths for your feet. In other words, the prescription. Whatever little strength you have, use it to make the next step a step toward healing. A step toward healing. Don't keep doing what's been making you sick and lame, and weak, and feeble. Say, time out. Hold everything. I need some time with God. Psalm 27. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path. Make straight paths for your feet. Lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. And there are many I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God is good, and we will see it. So he says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How's your time with God? How's your time with the Lord? Hold on. Time out. Isaiah, have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. You're not going to wear God out. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Have you ever seen an eagle fly? They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, those who wait on the Lord. And so wait, I say, on the Lord. It's prescriptive. Strengthen, make straight paths. So this final fifth warning is from verses 14 through 29. The handout is on the fr- in the front here. Number one, we're warned to not neglect so great a salvation. We're warned to not harden our hearts, to not be walking in unbelief. We're warned to not fall away in apostasy. We're warned to not draw back in willful sin. The final one, do not fall short Of the grace of God. In other words, don't let your heart become indifferent to what God wants to change by His grace and power. Three things, my simple outline. Look carefully, come to Jesus continually, and serve God acceptably from this chapter, this warning. Look carefully, take time to look and assess. Beginning of the year is always that time we take to think back, okay, what about the new year? Look carefully, lest anyone fall. Serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So is not most of God's chastening and rebukes in our lives due to our sinful heart attitudes in our relationships with one another. Pursue peace with all people. Rather than pursue peace, we selfishly run, run, run as fast as we can. You can't catch me. We run away. We run away from pursuing relationship in God's, according to what God said is to be. Now, there are those ones that will run from us, refusing to forgive or to repent or to reconcile. And the Bible says, as much as it lives in you, be live peaceably. Pursue peace with all people. And so it also says, and pursuit holiness. And is not the pursuit of holiness before God his healing prescription? For living our lives and not falling from the grace of God, it's through this holiness that God intervenes with His mercy and forgiveness. The forgiveness for us and forgiveness through us is the holiness of God. It's through which He He God intervenes with His grace. In reconciling broken relationships, holiness set apart from God. It speaks of a readiness to belong to God in being obedient to Him. That's holiness. Being set apart from the world and all of its ways, and all of its philosophies, and all of its endeavors be separated to God for his purposes and his direction and as our lives being ministers of the grace of God. This can only happen through the provision of the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin and from the power of the Holy Spirit by which my life is consecrated to God. I love tools. I have a lot of tools. I love Home Depot. (laughs) I have tools that have been with me for 50-plus years. I still use them. We're good friends. I know my tools, and I think they know me. For me... The best visual for what holiness looks like is in the different implements and vessels used by the priests in the tabernacle and temple ministry. They were not all shiny and locked up in some glass display cabinet, glass display cabinet. No, no. Day in and day out, they were used and used and used again. They were tattered and tarnished and marked by daily use. It was these that were called holy to the Lord. The marks of pursuing peace and holiness is in being tattered and tarnished and marked because we are vessels in his hands, yielded to him that he might touch others through our lives. And may I say to you, as you well know, there is no greater joy than to realize that God has used my life, not only in changing me by the Holy Spirit, but ministering to others of His holiness. And the remarkable, and I say this reverently, and Jesus said, I don't call you, but I call you friends. Abraham was known as the friend of God. And like with my tools, they're my friends. I think in this manner of holiness and pursuing peace, being peacemakers, it's how we know him and how he knows us intimately. So he says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this, many become defiled. We all know what that looks like. We've all have been recipients in one way or the other, or been the actual one who is bringing this into others' lives. When there's bitterness, and these roots begin to take deeper and deeper place in our hearts, there's trouble on the horizon. The word grace is found eight times in Hebrews. In 2.9, if you have your Bibles, I hope you'll Keep up with me. Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. The grace of God begins in Hebrews in the death of his son. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, we've already mentioned, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. that we may may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Two times there. Hebrews 10, 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted, here it is, the spirit of grace. It can be insulting to God. In this fifth warning, the bookends are grace. In verse 15, looking careful so as any falls short of the grace of God, but notice in verse 28 of chapter 12, "Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. Let us have grace. Don't fall short, but let us have grace, that we may serve God acceptably. And then in chapter 13, do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We'll get into that. But he saying, our hearts, he's saying, establish them in the grace of God. And then he closes the whole book of Hebrews. The final verse says, grace be with you all. Amen. And I say, amen. It's the grace of God. It's not the grace of Kevin. or anyone else ever, it's the grace of God, or the grace of Jesus Christ, or the spirit of grace, the Godhead, the grace of God. Paul was gripped by the grace of God. It laid hold of every part of his being, and I think to myself and for you, it needs to do the same for us, to grip us, the grace of God. God giving to us Everything we never worked or earned or earned for. It's the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said in Acts 20, 24, the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Galatians 1 6 and 7. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another, it's not one of the same kind, it's completely different. There's no grace, there's no gospel. And in Galatians there, he's dealing with legalism. But there are some who would trouble you and want to pervert the gospel. Here's an interesting one, an important one for our study this morning. Paul wrote to Timothy, to Titus, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, notice, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts deny them. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. This is what grace is teaching us looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We say amen to that. Looking, looking, looking for the blessed hope who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every notice lawless deed and again, notice, and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. In other words, to think that grace is a license for sinning is to not know the grace of God at all. Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we sin that grace may abound? No, Otherwise, if God's grace, well, let's sin our brains out. Let's just go for it. Because grace will, no, no, no. He said, shall we, what shall we say? Shall we sin that grace may abound? He says, literally, perish the thought. Put it to death. Get rid of it. That has nothing to do in under, with understanding the grace of God. In fact, just the opposite. How shall we who died to sin? Jesus came and through our, through our confession of faith and our salvation, he put to death. Sin, once for all, and we operate from a whole, the the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Sin will always bring us down. The higher law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus supersedes the law of sin and death is still happening. Sin has consequences. But thank God through the Holy Spirit and the salvation we have by the grace of God, we overcome those things. So we have died to sin. We can now live apart from sin and all the damage and darkness and destruction it brings and continues to bring into our lives. Paul's testimony was to the grace of God. First Corinthians chapter 15. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also as one, as by one born out of due time. Paul the Apostle, Jesus met him. It's like he was stillborn. It's what it should have been, his life. For I am the least of the apostles, who I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but the grace of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than the Not legalism, but love. He labored. More abundant, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. It gripped him in every facet of his life, the grace of God. Does it grip you that way? Does it grip me that way? When we look back and God, as, as Paul says to Galatians, but when it pleased God who separated me, separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, least of the apostles, He said, I became a minister to the Ephesians according to the gift of the grace of God given me by the affecting work of his power. He looked at God, I said, why me? This is the astute, smart, certified, Pharisee the Pharisees, Hebrew the Hebrews, lived a life that people say, man, there's a holy man. No, he wasn't that at all. He needed Jesus just like you and I need Jesus. Whenever Paul was sent Whenever Paul was sending, whenever Paul was arriving or others were arriving, he was always commending them and telling them to continue in the grace of God. And so I believe the Holy Spirit would say to me and you this morning, I commend you to the grace of God. Continue in the grace of God. Paul opened, listen, Paul opened and or closed his letters, all of them, with the grace of God. All of them. He was gripped by the grace of God. As we talk about not falling short of the grace of God, we need to be gripped by the grace of God in in the gospel, the grace of God in calling us, the grace of God in using us. Paul exhorted Timothy, as Peter did also to his, in his letters, therefore, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Be strong in it. So he says in verse 15 now of Hebrews, looking carefully, come to Jesus continually, serve God acceptably. And so looking, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Let me read these verses again, 15 through 17. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright, his spiritual inheritance. For you know that afterward, When he wanted to inherit the blessing, singular, he was rejected. He found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. What, the blessing? I want it, I want it, I want it. Now, if these things were not possible, then neither is the warning necessary. In other words, it must be possible To fall from the grace of God. Where it no longer is in reach, which is in reach, but no longer, because I've fallen to other things. Paul pleaded with the Corinthians to not come up empty after having received the grace of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Let the grace of God grip you afresh. Grip you anew. Paul said, we read it First 1 Corinthians, his, his, his grace was not in vain toward me. I labored more abundantly because of it. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews twelve fifteen, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Brothers and sisters, if we are not looking to Jesus... And we're looking at other people. We're looking at our circumstances. We're looking at the world. There is this dangerous possibility that we will begin to fall short of the grace of God. I say to you this morning from my heart and I hope yours to God, Lord, draw me closer to you. Draw me As I draw near to you, draw near to me. Prone to wander. I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, take my heart and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. We can become sour, skeptical, bitter. We can be offended at God. We can become like Esau. That word profane means had no sacred enclosures. There's no place for the sacred in his life. Completely secular, holy, worldly, spiritual things became insignificant and unimportant. He became indifferent to the man he had become. He prostituted the sacred in order to satisfy sinful That's Esau. Rather than desiring what God wanted for him, he was doing what God warned against him. Living with the immediate gratification, the satisfying of fleshly appetites, the desire to obtain worldly ambitions, fell sure, no longer in reach. And listen, losing any sense of the cost of the bargain. He exchanged, here's the bargain, the riches of my spiritual inheritance for a morsel of food. That's the bargain. No sense of the cost. Let us not fall short of the grace of God. Jesus said to his disciples, anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here's the question, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And then Jesus says this, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. In 1923, seven of the world's most successful financiers met at Chicago's Edgewater Beach Hotel. These guys were the rich of the rich. Charles Schwab was the president of the largest steel company in the world. Samuel Insull was the president of the largest electrical utility company. Howard Hobson was the president of the largest gas company. Arthur Cutton was the great risk-taker and, and wheat trader. Richard Whitney, the president of the New York Stock Exchange. Albert Fall was the secretary of interior in President Harding's cabinet. Jesse Livermore, some call the greatest trader, T-R-A-D-E-R, whoever lived on Wall Street. Financially, these high rollers could have anything money could buy. Now, would you have liked to have changed positions with them? Before deciding, let's look 25 years down the road. Charles Schwab went bankrupt, living his last years on borrowed money. Samuel Insull died penniless in a foreign land, a fugitive from justice. Howard Hobson lost his sanity. Richard Whitney spent time in Sing Sing Prison in New York. Albert Fall was pardoned from prison so he could die at home broke. Jesse Livermore committed suicide. See, these men were living for the now with no regard for the latter. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Esau found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. His tears are not tears of repentance for what he had become but tears of regret for what he could not get having no place in his heart for spiritual riches he found no place in his heart for personal repentance he fell short of the grace of God look carefully come to Jesus continually Serve, serve God acceptably. I'm gonna stop here for this morning. We're gonna pick this up next week. I think there's a few things here for us to just take to the Lord in our hearts in prayer. What's the direction, the trajectory of our hearts in spiritual things? A little shameless plug this year, the men's gathering on the third Monday of the month. We're going to be going through a, through a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. He uses the foundational scripture for the book in 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you instruct the brethren these things, You will be a good minister of Jesus, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables, and here it is, and exercise yourselves toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. I say amen to that. I mean, I just don't like to exercise, okay? Okay. But godliness is profitable for all things, having a promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Godliness. By the grace of God. The quote from the book, the spiritual disciplines are those personal and interpersonal activities given by God. In the Bible, notice, as sufficient means, believers in Jesus Christ are to use in the spirit-filled, gospel-driven pursuit of godliness, that is, Closeness to Christ and conformity to Christ. I read the book when we're in Hawaii. Many good things in there. But on Monday night, what we want to do is, this is is the deal, guys. Are you reading your Bibles on a regular basis? Do you have a means by which you can be keeping yourself doing it? Because the word of God, he talks about prayer in there again. Praying. He talks about having fellowship with one another. The difference between fellowship and just hanging. So I'm going to challenge you men in the room this morning to come once a month. In fact, last Monday night, or the, month, the last Monday, Paul, Pastor Paul talked about the kingdom of God. And it so resonated with me because I've been reading a book on uh, salvation by allegiance alone he talks in there, we'll get this next week here, but he talks in there about this kingdom for which we're being prepared. So every responsibility I have, it doesn't matter. It's all sacred to God. So whatever I'm doing matters because what I'm doing here is going to be how I'm rewarded and given responsibility in the kingdom of God. So I'm challenging you guys. But I would say to all of us, what about the spiritual foundational disciplines? I read a statistic. It gets more discouraging every time you read a new one. Five percent of those who would be call themselves Christians read the Bible on a daily basis. Now I'm, please hear my hand. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on any of us. I know the battle personally. We all know it. The devil would like to rob us of these disciplines that God's given to us in the Bible by which we can grow in godliness, as he said, closeness to Christ and conformity to Christ. So it's that battle. But the question that I would leave this morning just for all of us as we're talking about don't How to not fall short of the grace of God. Look carefully. Examine ourselves. Think about what are we doing with our time. I read this other one that came across my desk. People say, well, I don't have time to go to church. And then they sort of, (laughs) this whole thing says, you know, you go to church, it might be two hours a week. But then... You watch Netflix three hours a day. Start adding it up. saying it's not that we don't have time. It's re-upping for ourselves the real priorities in having a closer walk with him. That's the deal. So we'll pick this up next week. Would you stand with me as the worship team comes? And, Lord, we just want to bow our hearts in worship before you. That we might look carefully, even this morning, some of these thoughts that came to me as I was preparing, some of the things I've shared. Lord, it's you that we need to search us and try us and see if there's any wicked way in us and see, Lord, if there's anything that could be slowly encroaching in on the grace that you, would, you, would, that you have for us And have given to us and have called us by. So, Lord, I would just say to my from you to my own heart, and us from our heart, Lord, search us, O God, know our hearts, try us and know our anxieties, and see if there's any wicked. And lead us, I pray, lead us in the way of everlasting. We offer to you, Lord, our lives afresh. As Paul wrote to the Romans, I beseech you therefore, by the mercies of God. We present our bodies as living sacrifices. There is a word again, holy, acceptable to you, which is our reasonable service of worship. And Lord, that we be not conformed to this world, not shaped by the world, not drawn away by the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I think where we're going, in this just in this study. This, it, therefore, do not, do not turn away from Him who speaks, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear and to follow after You, as best as we can, with all that we, giving it everything we've got. Please, Lord. And as we're closing in this song, this might be a time we just write a. If you want to write a prayer request and come afterwards, dismissal, come and put it in the bowls. Let's worship the Lord and I'll close with a song, with a prayer rather.